Yeah, or should I say you? Thank you to Jake Nager and the Moment of Truth for providing our theme music here at Cantori and You. And today, we welcome David Wells, MLB All-Star. Two World Series wins, one with the Blue Jays, another with the Yankees. Pitched a perfect game with the Yanks. Grew up here in OB, San Diego, and uh, has a lot of stories to tell. Oh boy, this is a good one. And thank you so much for checking us out, especially if you're new to the podcast. Be sure to check out previous episodes and subscribe. And today, we do want to thank, before we get to David, our sponsors. Uh, first of all, BajaBound.com, who are new to the network. The easiest way to get Mexican auto insurance. Uh, in fact, uh, I go down to Mexico probably quarterly, I would say, whether it's to go surf, check out the wine country down there, which is insane. Maybe a football match, hit up a casino. My buddy Juan over at Oscars, he opened a opened an Oscars down in TJ, which is not the TJ I remember back in the 80s, by the way. Whole different scene down there. But if you are traveling, to Baja, going south of the border in your vehicle, got to make sure you have auto insurance. Uh, if something was to happen and you don't have auto insurance, things get very messy. And you can buy and print out your Mexican insurance policy online in minutes at BajaBound.com. Easy to use website. Boom, you're good to go. And if you have questions, you can even give them a call. Ask for my buddy Jeff. He runs the shop down there. Amazing guy. And he'll even give you uh, tips like... If you want to just visit Baja and have questions, call up Jeff and he'll hook you up at 1-888-552-2252 or simply go to BajaBound.com and uh, mention you if you do interface with them so they know that uh, we're all on the same team, you know? So uh, David Wells, cool enough to come by the house and I first met David about a year ago at uh, one of our other sponsors. Uh, Tori Holistics, who is a legal licensed cannabis dispensary here in San Diego. And David has a CBD product over there and has had over there for a while. It's a CBD centric of water. He'll talk a lot about the CBDs here. And uh, when I first met him, we had this meeting and talked about how these CBDs have had a tremendous effect on his life. If you are looking for CBDs, certainly encourage you to go on in to Tori Holistics. They're in Sorrento Valley. Uh, the closest legal and licensed dispensary to the North County. Keep in mind here, they were the first to get their adult use uh, recreational license in the entire state of California. So uh, they know what they're doing. It's a legit operation, and they'll take care of you, whether you're looking for CBD or THC products, obviously. But uh, on the CBD tip, also wanted to hip you to uh, Cushy CBDs, which you can find at Cushy. It's actually Cushy. K-U-S-H-Y-C-B-D.com. And uh, they don't get you stoned. You know, obviously we've talked about that and you'll hear David talk about it. They're non-psychoactive and it's a delivery method that comes in a little gummy. They're like uh, eating peach gummies. They're delicious and it's a great way to get CBDs into your daily routine and regimen if you subscribe. So check out Cushy CBD as we talk a lot about that subject right now with uh, David Wells. In fact, the second I hit record, he was already talking about him. Here we go. Yeah, like in my case, it was about a little over eight years ago, you know, I asked Steve about CBD because I was just watching a, a 60 Minutes segment and they were talking about CBD. So I'm like, do you have any of this? He goes, yeah. He goes, I grow it. And I'm like, get <laughs> out of here. And I'm like, well, I said, will he get you high? And he goes, 
find out for yourself. You know, that's just Steve's mentality. <laughs> he just messes with you. So I, he, he, he rolled, he, he rolled a joint out of it and I probably smoked a quarter or half of it. And like 10 minutes later, he goes, are you stoned? I'm like, no, because I, I was having a hard time sleeping. I mean, literally having a hard time sleeping because of my shoulder was so bad. And, uh, you know, I, I knew I had a torn labrum, but I didn't get it fixed. I didn't go to the doctor to, uh, you know, just for, for anything like that because I was playing so much golf. You know, I was going to Ireland. I was going on all these trips with Jeremy Roenick. And so finally... Uh, you know, when I was just trouble sleeping, he goes, take the other half and go home tonight and smoke the other part and see how you sleep tonight. And I'm like, all right. So I went home and, and I had the best night's sleep. It was unbelievable. I'm like, dude, I'm sold. Because I was taking, you know, Percocets. You know, I was eating them for a while like Skittles. Jeez. But, the, you know, luckily for me, I don't have an addictive personality. You know, when it comes to uh, opiates or, or anything like that, I just, you know, can quit whenever. But, you know, for a, for a while in my playing days, I was taking them a lot because of my back was killing me. Um, Dude, I'm dealing with back problems for the first time in my life. Yeah. It is fucking with me like nothing has ever fucked well, with me. I still have back problems. I mean, over the last couple of weeks, I've been... It's been getting a lot worse. Talk to me because I just got an MRI that said I had a herniated disc at the L5-S1. That's where I had it. Well, my, my case was I was, you know, I was taking Percocets, you know, before I pitched, like an hour before I pitched, I'd take it and then I would take them after. But my, my thing was I, I did cortisone shots. Okay. Cortisone is king of anything. That, that. You know, during my during my career, I took a lot of cortisone shots in my lower back because I was pitching so well, and then I would take Percocets on top of it, and it just was something. And I didn't know anything about the CBD; it wasn't really in existence. It was there, but you know, nobody really knew about it. So, um, if I would have known about it, I would have never taken the the opiates. And, and so, but what was it like going on the mound on Percocet though? How did you stay focused? I take well, I didn't take a whole bunch. I took one, and one, you know, one to two was was my tolerance to where you know for the pain levels to subside. Right is basically what I did, but you know, it, it didn't affect me in my job because normally, you know, they they'll make you drowsy in some in some points, but you know, when you're coffeeed up and <laughs> you got a lot you know you got a lot of coffee in you or whatever it may be just took the edge off and let you do exactly your job. but i i just never thought about you know the opiates in in that sense but i know the damage that the opiates could do to you so that's basically you know what i was you know what i was dealing with all those years until i met steve and then once i got on this even with my back pain my shoulder pain my i'm arthritic you know through my 26 years of playing professional baseball um then eight a little over eight years ago i got on the cbd and i haven't touched a, uh i don't take ibuprofen anymore i haven't taken a painkiller in over eight years damn and cbd has been has been part of my life and you know as, as much as i you know i i give it to friends because i mean i want i would love to to introduce this to uh mlb but you know, people are so weird about when it comes to a cat, a cat, a cannabinoid, or, or even a marijuana bud, a plant. They they think, oh, you're gonna get high and all that. People just read between the lines, research it, and you'll see what it does. It does not get you high, one way, shape, or another. But for pain, for me, 
is what I take it for, for pain relief. And, and, and it works. Like I said, sitting right, what we're doing right now, we're sitting is the worst thing we can do. If you have a physio ball, sit on that because then you can roll around. That would be a lot better than sitting on a I chair know. and something hard. But, I just learned that myself. But yeah, so to me, it's, it's been a blessing in disguise. And, you know, I, I'm trying to let the whole world know that, you know, CBD is legit because people do have addictive personalities. People do get strung out on you, you you see it all over i mean you watch all these documentaries watch that pharmaceutical thug oh i haven't seen that it's a trip what you is know, that? It's about this wrestler dude who was on painkillers and you know wrestlers they normally are and they're you know, a lot a lot of steroids you go roid rage whatever but the guy who was i think it was his brother doing the documentary was lying the whole time uh. and he was on he was getting funded and everything for his documentary, but he was on, on the painkillers himself. Damn. But then he got off, but it's just, it just goes to show what CBD can do to people. I mean, it, it's, it works. I got a buddy of mine who has Parkinson's. You know, it helps Parkinson's. We've, we've tested it with, uh, with um, autism. Autism, it's unbelievable, but for pain management, does it take my pain away 100%? No but it's manageable. And that's what I noticed it did for me. Yes. Is it just helped take that edge off more than... Oh, my God. The steroids helped, but the pain pills did nothing but just make me loopy in the head. Right. Well, steroids, I mean, they're, they're a quick fix. When you're, when you're a professional athlete you, and you want to stay on the field and you're making millions of dollars, you're going to find a way to stay on that field. Yeah. You know, that's why I see, like, the guys that were taking HGH and all that because yeah. it's a quick killer... Um, it gets you on the, on the, on the playing field a little bit quicker, but if it was monitored by, by doctors, then I wouldn't see a problem in it. And I don't think that would be cheating because it really doesn't really enhance unless you do. I know steroids do cause they make you bigger, stronger, you know, faster, you know, you, there's all different types of steroids, Sure. but you know, if it's under a doctor's supervision, when people are making that much money, you know, because we get, we get nailed by, by the public eye, by the critics, especially the media, um, oh, this guy's making so much money and he's always injured and all that stuff. Well, you know what? Wear our shoes and have our pains, our aches and pains, right. and deal with what we have to deal with as a professional athlete every day. And so do you think we want to be on the DL? Do you think we <laughs> want to sit on the bench? No, we want to be on the field playing and trying to help our team out. Same thing with musicians, man. Exactly. They go up on stage with pneumonia. They yeah. just get a shot of B12 in their ass, and they're up there rocking in front of millions of people. 100%. And, but to me, that's, that's, that's the significance of the CBD because I think it can and it will help a lot of people. I know for a fact because I'm, I'm an eight-year user of CBD. 100%. And I tell you, my life has changed from it because there's things that I normally, I love golf. I'm an avid golfer. So I, I take this everywhere I go because of the fact that I know, you know, if I'm tight in the morning, I stretch like crazy too. You know, I'm 260 pounds. I'm a big boy. Same. And, and, and I, but I'm very limber, you know, and I think, and for me, it's like the hotter it gets out, the more loose you get, the worse my back gets. So I take some CBD and it, and it just seems to take care of the problem. It's not, a, it's, it's a quick fix, but it's a, it's a long term for me without taking obits and destroying your body. What, you know, what Percocet, any, ob, any obits that, uh, or not obits, but uh, any uh, opiates, opiates that uh, you take is just going to destroy your body. And I know people who eat 12 a day, sometimes more. Yeah. And I was one of those guys until, 
you know, my buddy Steve <laughs> had the he had the plant, and and my thing is. And that's the first thing I ask. Do you get high? Because I coach. Yeah, so tell me about, and that's what I want to ask you about, the delivery methods. Because initially you said you first you know, rolled a big fat joint. Now that was a, and Steve's here, was that a CBD joint? What I mean, when CBD. you say that. CBD. Just a CBD plant. No THC in the plant whatsoever. That was high CBD cannabis. And that's the, that's a, that's the differentiation we need to make between uh, CBD. There's a lot of confusion on the market. So yes, that was high CBD cannabis. What 99% of what's out there is hemp. Hemp is single molecule uh, industrial hemp isolate. That's a, that plant was originally grown for um, textiles when it was, you know, rope clothing. Uh, and it was found there's a, a, a very micro amount of CBD in it. And then the hemp pirates figured out they could concentrate out that CBD and pass that off as medicine. Well. They've done a fine job of getting it out there because it's everywhere. But plant medicine requires the whole spectrum of the plant. High CBD cannabis has a couple of hundred cannabinoids, terpenes and flavonoids, as opposed to the single molecule hemp CBD. So yes, it has an effect and it can, and that's a good thing because it introduces people to it. But the flip side of that is, it doesn't do nearly what high CBD cannabis does, so people will oftentimes try it, it fails, and then they assume none of it works. So, so we are in a massive education campaign right now to, to let people know the, the, the complete distinction between high CBD medical cannabis and hemp. So everything you see out there is hemp, hemp oil, hemp, hemp, hemp. So, uh, you know, it's everywhere. It's on the shelves at CVS for that matter. And, my response is if the government lets it out in that volume, it can't work because they would never let any kind of cannabis out that way. You know the True that. arduous work we have to go through right now just to get people this medicine. To answer your question, yes, the original delivery, I just gave them some flour to smoke. Um, we have a, a very uh, unique proprietary, actually patent pending extraction process that leaves the plant intact. All other extraction processes are actually concentrators. And what it, to concentrate, they're, they're trying to up the potency of the single molecule. Of course, that was you know, invented for THC because people want to get as high as possible you know, and, and make those oils as potent as possible. <clears throat> That's great on the recreational side, but on the medicinal side for plant medicine, you want the whole, the whole flower. You want to leave that plant alone. Um, we literally just liquefy the plant so it's left intact. Um, interestingly, this process all, also renders it water compatible. It's not an oil. The body doesn't assimilate oil very well, and oil does not vaporize. So this is the biggest myth in the whole market right now. Everybody thinks they're vaporizing this oil. Oil doesn't vaporize. If an oil vaporized, you wouldn't have a spot on your driveway. That's why when you hit any of those oils, you cough. True vaporization uh, uh, the best example of that is a typical electronic cigarette, which is uh, the model we use for our vaporizers, which was the second delivery I gave David. Um, you don't feel it. The typical response is, oh, did I get any? Well, yes, because true vapor... <laughs> you don't see any smoke. <laughs> you don't see any smoke. True vapor is like breathing steam you know, coming off the thing. You don't feel it because it's actual vapor. So what, what's happening in the... The, what everybody thinks is vapor world is you're burning oil at a low temperature, which is which is as bad as smoking, to be honest with you. It's like following a diesel bus on your bike. So that's the probably the biggest myth going on is, is everyone thinks they're vaporizing. So the second thing we did is we uh, took that fluid and put it in an electronic cigarette model, 
which is this vaporizer. And that's after the after get, after getting and burning the flour, I put them on these right away because they're super convenient, they're easy, and that's what he's been on the most part. So we're we're on the medical cannabis lane. You know, there's there's three lanes here. There's there's uh, marijuana, there's recreational marijuana, uh, and there's hemp, and we're medical cannabis. We're in the center, so it lends itself. Uh, the fluid lends itself to a, be a, a better um, vaporization. It lends itself to a better tasting fluid. Um, and I, I, I'm going to have you taste this, yeah. okay? That's amazing. So what, is wow. it what does it taste like? The full experience. It tastes like you're chewing on the plant. Yeah. The flavor is indicative of your wow. process. It's very important. Yeah. The t flavor tells you everything about your extraction process. It's very important for people to know that. If you don't taste, it doesn't taste like what it is, then you're, you're missing something. So... The flavor isn't just a, a marketing ploy. It literally proves that we've extracted everything out of that plant. Now that lends itself to something that's the future delivery, because you're asking about delivery here. So there's smoking, there's vaping, there's tincture. And because we're- And that's what I just did was the just, tincture. Was the tincture. But Got because it. we're water compatible, we are now in a literal medical device, which is a completely controlled meter dose spray. And this is where the future of, of cannabis is for uh the mass the masses because it's super convenient it's literally a banaca sprayer i was going to say it reminds yeah. me of the 80s with banaca it's a bana put it under your tongue under your yeah, tongue yeah it's a banaca sprayer and it's a completely controlled metered microdose, and that's dang and that's where we're going to be yeah. Woo! and that isn't that crazy now this is made in an fda approved lab believe it or not so how about so that? david are you uh you're working and incorporating all these different products into your daily routine then? Or? 100%. Um, you know, to me, it's, if I, I mean, now I have all this information at hand. I've got the scientists behind it. It's like, <laughs> why would I put an opiate in my body? Why would I put ibuprofen in my body? Um, and, 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 and the great thing about the CBD, even, you know, you have the, the tincture, Okay, it's which was my favorite. By well, the yeah, way. by that, but it's water soluble. So, but if you don't like the taste of it, you put it in water, you put it in your coffee, you put it in your tea, you don't taste it, and it just, and that's gotcha. what it does. And as you see right now, we put it in water, and it Whoa. dissipates. That's amazing. Try that with any hemp oil you see. You're right. Yeah, it will not. Happen. And it'll just sit no. on top like an it oil, will. right? Yeah. It'll be a glob. Yeah. That's why any kind of um, any drinks you see that say CBD drinks, they're either in a dark fluid or a dark bottle. Yes. I don't want you to see that glob of, of CBD oil floating on the top. And, and, that, and to me, that's, that's the beauty of, of, these, of this product. It's like, there's a lot of posers out there. Everyone wants to get rich quick, um, but why would you want to go out and put product to you get, you get, one, you get one drop of CBD and that's probably equivalent to what, 20, 30 drops of, of hemp? Well, the, um, you know, um, dosage is also very indicative of, of your efficacy of, of what's working. So uh, this is a 50 milliliter bottle. Uh, you see them everywhere. Um, and a typical hemp dosage is, is a milliliter, which is this whole dropper. Okay, that's 20 drops. That's a measurement. There's 20 drops in a milliliter, which is what this dropper is. In a 15 milliliter bottle, you're getting 15 doses. Our dose is two drops. So this 15 milliliter bottle is 150 doses. Dang. So that, that's because of the plant, the process, and uh, the delivery. So why would I take, you know, 
a Percocet or sure. ibuprofen when I can just take two drops of this. And it, I mean, it's, it, it, it acts pretty quick. My thing is, is I tell people, they're like, oh, you're crazy. I said, you know what? Here's a sample. Try it. It speaks for itself. You don't like it? Don't worry about it. I have yet to have somebody tell me, Dave, this is, this is crap. You're garbage. It's always been, how do I get it? Where do I get it? You know, what, what's it going to take? You know, I want to get on that program. Now, are more people in your community, though, coming forward? Or is there still resistance? Because There's a of ton this? of resistance. Yeah, I would imagine. You know, I, I don't have any endorsements. Um, you know, all I am is a high school head coach, baseball, a baseball coach. And so, you know, to me, it's, I would rather spread the, the news to the world about what I'm doing because, you know, like I said, I'm not a drug addict whatsoever, but I am a CBD addict now because, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's part of my life. It's at my every day. I wake up in the morning, a couple drops. Okay. And then in the afternoon, if I need it, I'll take it. If not, I normally wait till I go to bed. And, and plus, it helps me sleep because I had a hard time sleeping. So why take sleeping pills? You know, why do this, do that? It's, it's something that it's not bad for your body. It's not going to harm your body in any way, shape, or form. That's the, that's the message that we need to get to these people because they don't believe in it because they just, they're already decision, their decision's already made when it comes to that. Right. That's, a, that's an important thing to remember. So let's, let's just address that real quickly because yeah. he's been in both worlds. Uh, Pharmaceuticals, of course, have their place in the world, um, but they what they typically do, you know, all medicine comes from a plant at one time. But what pharmaceutical does is they um, identify uh, a molecule, they isolate it, and then they synthesize it and amplify it. So even when it does good, it does harm in your body, as we discussed with your organs um, and any particularly long term. So so even though it, do, it, it helps you, it does harm with with uh, plant medicine and particularly this cannabis even if it doesn't help you it's not going to harm you right least. so so no matter what you're going to either benefit or do no harm and that's very important distinction and we've seen enough studies already with the harm of opiates and how many lives that's taken from yes. everyday oh. americans to people we worship epidemic. and idolize it, it's beyond an epidemic and it's already, the research is already coming out that this is a way for people to get off opiates. Most people don't realize that the pain meds, and I think you can attest to this, David, is after a, a few weeks, they actually really reduce their uh, potential. They stop working. It's not working. So then you're literally just addicted to a pretty harmful medication. There. Well, and, and, and in most cases, it's more. And then I, instead of taking one, more. Now it's two. Yep. Now it's three. And then before you know it, you're taking five, six Percocets or Vicodins or whatever a day. And, and then look at that's doing to your body. I mean, your, your, your digestive system your is clogged up. It's like a cement mixer. Yep. You know, that's what that stuff <laughs> does true. to you. But to me, it's, and I, I've had a lot of friends, some past, some still living that, that are off of the opiates and they were taking you know, anywhere from 15 to 30 a day. Jeez. That's a problem. Wow. But that's what, what kills me is, is that pharma does not care. No. Because see how much money they're, they're generating every year, and, but they don't care because now you're addicted to, to opiates. Now they, now they have something for you to take to get you off that. So basically what they're doing is they're setting you up for failure yep. instead of success or to try to be a, a good, because you're a zombie when you're taking more than four. You're a complete zombie. 
you know, and I used to get gout. I mean, knock on wood, I haven't had an acute attack in a while, but when I started getting those acute attacks, I would take a couple Percocets right out of the get-go just to stop the pain because you don't wor- you don't wish that on, in- on Dude, your worst enemy. It. And, it's like and stepping it, on glass. It's, yeah, and so, you know, taking, you know, two to four Percocets, you're, then you're a complete zombie. Now yeah. you're not functional. Your nose starts itching. You're just like, you're like <laughs> drooling. And then that's that's what you don't want to do. And, and that, to me, it's, it's like, you know, why does pharma want to keep doing that? Well, as long as, I mean, it's modern, but you got epidemics in some of these small towns. You know, I have a place in northern Michigan, and and it's, you know, these small towns, there's opiate epidemic up there. Oh, yeah, and it's just man. like, why? And they're selling these pills for 100 bucks a pop. Jesus. Geez, back in the day, I would have been, I would have made more money on the, in the black market than I did on the field. (laughs) (laughs) And that's something to me that, that, that we need to stop and we need to get, you know, we need to get the word out about what CBD can do. But do you think with the legalization, the change in the laws on a state level, is that going to be easier for you? Do you think, do you think more people will be open to sharing or admitting that they use these products? I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I mean, here's the thing. I, I did a, uh, and, and this is just how, and this is not even, this doesn't even relevate to, to the CBD, but I, just as a joke, I got a joke four or five years ago and, and they're, they're just jokes. People joke about everything. You right. name it, there's jokes. I'm not a comedian, but if a comedian would have said it, he wouldn't have gotten in trouble, but this is what happens. I said, you know, and it was a Kardashian joke. So somebody they're open territory. So, so, they're open game. So, but here's the thing: I was golfing with with Jeremy Roenick, and and you know, and you always hear about the car. They, you know, except for for one of them, they only dated white people. So right. it's like so. Jeremy Roenick was we were golfing, and he lipped out like three or four birdies. So I tweeted out. You know, Jeremy just joined the Kardashian Hall of Fame. <laughs> Nothing white goes in the hole is basically what I said. But that was a joke that I heard. And so I've heard that joke before. You have. In fairness. Yes. Yeah. In fairness. So so maybe I, it was from you. I had a I had a I had a deal with the pharmaceutical company out of New York on gout and on dealing with gout after after And you got dropped after that? And they they called me like two days later and said, Listen, because be careful. Social media will kill you. And I'm not a big social media guy. Back then I wasn't. Now, I mean, I, I, I go on. I don't do it all the time, yeah, but, but I'll answer some stuff. And it's nice if you want to get So it, it's not a bad thing. They dropped. It was like a $40,000 deal. And they dropped it because I said that joke. And they, they thought repercussions me. were going to come. My insurance company even dropped me. Because they go on your social media, that's but to you, me that, though, but, that's but see this is where that's I David Wells, yeah, but that's just being a joke. But my thing is, is that I'm not afraid to say I speak my mind. So why wouldn't athletes come out, you know, knowing that they're not going to get? Like I said, this is not going to enhance or decrease anything in your in your professional game, whatever sport you play. It's not going to enhance it, and it's not going to, you know, you're not you're not going to be dragged out. You're not going to get high on this stuff. That's the beauty of this. That's why I think more people need to speak out because I know a lot of athletes who do take it. Oh, so do I. And But they're afraid to come out because yep. they're endorsements. Big time. Well, that's why these endorsement companies need to start figuring this out and saying, okay, hey, you got people in your company that, that are hurting. 
Why not? Why not take CBD instead of taking ibuprofen or taking Percocets or Vicodins They've or got to come whatever around you eventually have. you would think. But with the law, you know, with the law coming out, it's just you know, it's pharma. You know, I will say that um, based on your question, which was are more people open to it based on legalization, I will say that it it appears from our standpoint, the medical community is opening up more. Uh, you know, doctors' original oath is do no harm, and they're there to help people, and they know that the pharmaceuticals. Uh, they're giving out are problematic and they're very open to plant medicine and alternatives because the research is coming in particularly uh not from this country um, israel and europe are, are the forefront in research mm -hmm. and this is why this works i'm going to tell you the basic reason why this cbd works it's very simple it looks ridiculous that could work for so many things like david said we've helped people with so many different maladies that it seems ridiculous that it could help but here's why we have an endocannabinoid system that's built in we are highly receptive to the cannabinoids of this plant and this plant goes right to inflammation inflammation is the root cause of so many maladies that You're we right. have that pharma treats symptoms mostly and that's fine, but you keep treating a symptom, but you never solve the problem. As you stated earlier, they don't want to solve the problem. They actually want to keep you on a cycle of, of course. Yep. So the reason this works for so many different things that seems so absurd is it addresses the inflammation, which is the core issue for so many different medical maladies. And that's why it works. It's that simple. It really is. And David, how did you sync up with this madman? <laughs> well, you grow up in Ocean Beach. You pretty much know everybody. I think Steve... Moved here in 75, and, you know, we were all surfers. So okay. we were met out in the water, meet at uh, whether it's a restaurant, Hodad's. You know, sure. we're, we're big Hodad's fans. Steve and I went there the other night for, uh, for a burger there. Best burger in the world. Oh, I and, miss Boss Man so much, You man. and me both. He was a great guy. And, God you know, bless him. Uh, he was great for our community down there in Ocean totally Beach. Totally agree. But, uh, but the thing is, is that, you know, just over time, we knew each other but we just really never connect we've been passing i'd see him out in the water on the cliffs whatever and then i was up fly fishing up in the in the sierras and uh, just a mutual friend uh our buddy uh flint he he's like yeah my my buddy down in san diego you know was was cbd and and, all, and i'm like who's your buddy and he goes my buddy and i'm like who's your what's his name steve and i'm like Steve what? And he goes, Steve. And I'm like, so anyways, I said, let's call him. We got it. And, and Steve was going back and he was playing with me. Now I'm chapped because <laughs> I'm not getting the full effect out of it. And then, so when I came home off my, my fishing trip, came back, I'm like, oh, dude, I know you. I've known you forever. That's a riot. But it was, it was just something like, I guess he told Flint not to say anything until yeah, we exactly actually felt. Here's, here's, how, here's how it went from my recollection. So uh, I had met Flint for a different mutual friend, and he's a, he's a renowned uh, outdoorsman, particularly fly fisherman. He literally takes guys okay. from all over the world. He takes really? Yeah. Billionaires all over the world fly fishing. He's, a, he's just an amazing outdoorsman. Um, through a mutual friend, I had been sending him some of our products for, for quite a while, actually. And he'd always share them with these bigwigs, right? And I, I got a call when he goes, hey, hey, I'm with this Yankee group, this, this group of Yankees. And this guy's just digging on your product, right? He's digging on your vaporizer. And, I'm, and I go, Yankees? I go, is, is there a picture there? He goes, yeah. I goes, is it Wells? He goes, yeah. How do you know? I goes, he goes, okay, don't tell him where this is. Oh, that's a riot. That's how it so, was. So they're probably pretty, you know, they're pretty, I'm sure they're pretty fucked up that night. They're probably drinking their own woods. So I, I, I go, Flint, tell him, it, tell him they're made in OB. So I can hear in the background, they're texting and he's going, 
what? And Wells is like, who is that? And I'm like, don't say who it is. Like, Come on. And we're going back and forth. He literally was getting pissed because then I commented on his pajamas. I was. He was getting That's awesome. So, so he's like, how do I know you. He goes, were you at Mouse's 70th birthday party? I go, yeah, I shook your hand. He goes, oh, man, who the fuck is this? And he's just, so I didn't tell him. And I said, That's okay, I'll, I'll see you down at Luscombe's. And then, yeah. and then we ran into him. It was just hilarious. And, and you mentioned, obviously, growing up in OB. Because you're originally from Torrance, right? And when did you move to San Diego? The next day. Really? <laughs> you were born in Torrance? <laughs> I mean, my, my, mom is, my mom passed years ago, but... I don't know why she went to Torrance to have me and then came back the next day. Seriously. So she lived Maybe here. Maybe to get away from my dad because he was a tool. But, you know, it's something that, you know, I met my dad when I was 22 years old. I don't Shut have, up. Really? Yeah. And I don't have any. I had a small relationship with him, but I don't anymore. But it's like, you know, she went up there, had me and then came back. So your we mom lived was a o local. We mom lived, was yeah, an OB. Yeah. My mom, you know, she grew up in Edgeware. Where, where Steve is in Aja Vista right there. It's right above on the cliffs before it became, you know, Point Loma College, all that stuff, you know, all that cliff area at the end of the cliffs. That was Aja Vista back in the day. And that's where my mom lived. You know, it was low income, you know, obviously, but back in the, in the 40s right. and 50s when she grew up there. But she was just been an obese in her whole life. And, you know, we lived in OB. She lived in OB. She was pregnant with me there. She just happened to go to Torrance and then come back. That's hysterical. It's, it's, it is nuts. And it's like, what the oh, heck? I just went to scam that hospital. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you know what? Probably. Because we are always one step ahead of the, the tax collectors and, you know. The and, system. Oh, my God. She was good at it. But, you know, you grow up poor. You're on welfare. And it's just like, you know, it, it sucked because she would hand me the food stamps and have me go to Safeway and, and do the shopping. She'd give me the lift. I'd be in there literally for hours because I knew everybody, and I didn't want everyone to know we were on welfare. Right. Oh, it was, uh, it was so just, you were dodging people oh, before you went up? She oh, that's put, gnarly. She, she, she embarrassed the hell out of me. That's basically gnarly. what it was. But you know what? It's, it's something that, you know, being an OB, you know, from minus one day. 54 years and minus one Holy day, shit. you know, I, I've, I've lived there. So that's so amazing. Now, how did you, when I think of the OB lifestyle, especially back then, how did you lock in the baseball, which is such a disciplined activity? Well, I lived right across the street from Rob field. Okay. So I was always at Rob field, you know, over at the, at the baseball fields. I mean, I picked up everything from handball or racquetball once they built all that stuff down there when I was a little kid um and then ocean beach rec the ob rec center is where i spent a majority of my life playing basketball hanging out after school because ob elementary was right across the street sure so we'd have 40 50 kids there every day and then go home for dinner and then meet back there and play ditch through the rest of the night until 10 o'clock you know and it, it, was, it was great we were always we were always outside. It's not best. like today. These kids, their thumbs must hurt because right, all the video man. games. And Just looking at freaking screens. No, we, we, were, we were running the streets. That's where I grew up is on the streets. And, but so, you know, you've seen all these changes in, in Ocean Beach, you know, from all these businesses back in the day. Now it's all antiques. Uh, and then now it's, uh, now it's all these breweries pubs, breweries. And, yeah. So it's changed. But what stinks about it is that, you know, People with money don't really want to go down to OB because it doesn't really offer a whole lot except for the bar scene. There are some great restaurants down there. Yeah. Great salads. You got Poma's. It's been there forever. Love it. My favorite. Uh, you get and right across the street from there is the Noodle House. Yep. You know, and Steve Yang has done a great job Love that opening spot. the noodle places. And then yeah, Natty's is getting ready to close. 
No way. Yeah. So it's like. Really? Know, and my mom used to work there. That's heartbreaking. I used to steal her change when I was a kid. <laughs> but, you know, you scratched and clawed. But the thing I had was Rob Field for all the sports. I had the ocean for surfing. Yep. And I had I had OB Rec for basketball as well and hanging out with all our friends. So, so then mean, when you went pro, though, what was it like going from that environment to living in places like Detroit, Toronto, New York? It had to be polarizing. When I first left and played in Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada, when I signed out of high school with Toronto Blue Jays, I was, it was my first place I ever been outside of California besides Tijuana was... Was so me. That's me, man. Yeah. International traveler. Yeah. International man. Exactly. 30 minutes away. I get um, it. I went to Helena, Montana and met the team. Oh, okay. And that's where I started my professional career. And after about two weeks, I was homesick. Yeah, right. But it, it just, it just, it was a different, it was a culture shock for me. But it was a job. So in order to keep that job, I had to, you know, I had to, do my job, yep. which was pitching, because I, I was a good pitcher in high school, Little League and all that, and I just it just escalated. You know, I went through the trials and tribulations of injuries from Tommy John to, you know, to Labrum and Rotator Cuff, but it's all about the rehab, getting through that. You know, it's it's a lengthy process when you have Tommy John and, and shoulder surgery. It's it's not a walk in the park. You got to put the time in, and it's and it becomes frustrating. Because if you're not the, if you're not 100 percent like where you were before, you start doing different things. Yeah. And I compensated for my shoulder or for my elbow, and I blew out my shoulder. So one injury after another, all before I made it to the big leagues. Really, I was ready to quit. I was so frustrated with being injured and all that stuff. But you know, like I said, I grinded it through, and I got through it. And ended up having a 21-year career right. after all my surgeries. And now when you work with these kids today, are they tripping balls? That they're no, that's really? the thing, they don't. I mean, it's like I've been at Point Loma for nine years now, and it's like they don't – I always ask them every day, like when we have our meetings, anybody have any questions about anything? Nope. No, coach. What? It's, it's like it's – like Not I'm, about I'm, your perfect game? I'm just a regular coach that – just goes there and helps out. And I would be so intimidated by you. No, I mean, they I are. think they are in, in a sense. They're afraid. But you know what? I'm, I'm a coach. I'm not your mom. I'm not your dad. Right. I'm here to, 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 to get you to that next level. I mean, try to get you into professional sports. You know, we, we need signability kids. We want to put Point Loma High School on the map. Yeah. Okay, so we want good, but we lose a lot of these kids to the private schools. But they don't ask you questions about the Yankees or anything? Once in a blue moon about that, but but my question is, I want them to know about pitching, about the game of baseball. You know, we we had the ugliest win yesterday. I was I was I was probably the most upset I've been in my nine years. Talk was to yesterday. me. I want to hear about it. And it just we played literally like crap. I don't know how we won the game. That's how bad it was. Pitching will always keep in the game. And my starter, you know, Mitchell, he's he's a stud. This kid is a hell of an athlete, and he was struggling. And but he he got out of jams, but his pitch count got really high, so I had to take him out, and I had to put in Dylan, and you know for the our Joe, and then for a half for two thirds of an inning, and then we burned him because of the three spot in the lineup where Mitchell was at, and he's one of our best hitters, so I had to put in another pitcher, so. You know, and we just squeaked we, through. Our defense stunk. 
<laughs> our 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 outfield stunk because they were throwing over the cutoff man and guys taking extra base and putting them in. And that's the little parts of the game that you need to understand. Yeah, you can't put a guy in scoring position, especially in high school, because anything can happen. So I was just like, "What the hell's going on?" I said, "I mean, as much as I want, I said, I almost rather you fuckers don't know what the hell you're doing. We're out here every day doing this, and it's like you forget about what you're doing." Yeah. So after the game, I just, I don't yell at the kids. I just point and start, make them run. So I made them run like five sprints, like sixty yard sprints after, and then I talked to them about it, and I'm like, you know, but to me, it, it's something. It's like you want to coach them up, but you yeah. want them to understand and retain the information. So when they do go to college, yep. or if it's professional, they already know what to do. They don't have to be retaught anything. Well, David, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. It's uh, it's beyond fascinating hanging with you. And, and I am curious, where are your two World Series rings? They are at home in the vault. They're in a vault. <laughs> They're in a vault at home with a lot of my other memorabilia. I'm a collector of memorabilia. I have a vault, which is pretty cool. Um, it's a, it's a small, it's a small hall of fame, but you know, it's all my stuff and I collected over the years, all a bunch of Babe Ruth stuff, Yankee Did, teams. Yeah. That Babe Ruth. I love that story with the Babe Ruth hat that yeah. you, you bought for like 35 grand. Correct. You casually wore it, pitched a game. I think it was against Cleveland wearing it. Yep. And did you get rid of it, or do you still have it? No, I, I sold it about six years ago. Oh, you did? Yeah, we were having these fires here in San Diego, and I got evacuated twice up there. And it just, you know, I have a fire. My, my vault is fireproof, so, but nothing's, you know, I don't want to chance it. So I was taking all my expensive stuff, you know, out just in case with sure. my guitars, too, because I have a guitar collection that's pretty epic. And so I was taking all my guitars down and and pictures of stuff that I have from rock and rollers and, you know, just stuff that means a lot to me. And, and but it's it's valuable as well. Um, and so I said, you know, it's time to sell it. So I end up selling the hat in Damn. an auction, getting about 600 grand for it. OK, <laughs> that's w a good turnaround. Wife took the money and went and bought a, uh, a condo in Florida. <laughs> So now, now we have. He's being humble. That vault is at a very impressive baseball can, museum. Can you tell it's us what's in of, it? It's probably one of more premium. I was going to ask the question. I just no didn't. Question. I didn't know if you'd be open to telling us what's in the no, vault. I, I have all. You know, I have all my. Uh, you know, all my jerseys and everything. I kept everything from my playing days. Um, you know, with my World Series rings, uh, championship ring, uh, All Star rings, but. Uh, just baseballs. Like I, I tried to collect every team ball in Yankee history in Yankees existence, you know, from Jackie Robinson, Come on. Uh, Herman Kilbert, you know, all those guys, Warren Spahn, um, Hank Aaron. I got a ball. Actually, it's, it's a one of a kind ball. It's, I bought a Babe Ruth ball. I went to Atlanta, had Hank Aaron sign it. And then Barry Bonds signed it. It's only 700 home run ball in existence. And I have that, which is a pretty cool piece. But I've got Babe Ruth overcoat. I've got a jersey of Babe Ruth's, Hank Aaron's. So I put those together. And wow. Barry Bonds. So I have a Barry Bond jersey. So I put those three together. So it's it's quite. The yeah. vault's the size of my house. <laughs> I'm being told. Go, I got a Roberto Clemente bat and a ball. Um, but, you know, all, basically all the guys from, you know, Christy Mathewson, Ty Cobb, um, Walter Johnson, um, eighteen hundred balls. Mickey Wells. You give tours. What's that? <laughs> to certain people, yes, I do. But um, but yeah, I just you know it was my that's my life was 
Hell baseball yeah. and music. I didn't like, play. Like Chris Contour. Yeah, and, and and that was my uh, that was my next question. Being a music guy myself, so what what was your attachment or connection to the music industry? Just firing me up before my games. Yeah, you know when when I played, you know like when I was in Detroit, when I when I signed with the Tigers, I I we would stretch in the clubhouse. So every five days, the pitcher get gets to pick his music while we stretched. So I would have Metallica. Yeah. So Metallica was like, <laughs> it was my go-to place. I mean, and if it wasn't for for music every five days, I don't know if I would be the pitcher I was because it just got me in a different mindset. Put you in the zone. Then I started doing some Disturbed, Slipknot, you know, all these headbanging bands. You're always into the hard shit. Which Joe Torrey hated. But I said, Joe, do you want to win today? He goes, yeah. Then, then, then leave the music alone and let me do my... <laughs> stuff go out on the field and hang out with the guys during bp while i get my you know i go through my repertoire of sure what i do on game day and so but i'm a classic rock at at heart i love classic rock blues um so jazz somebody, uh, my son goes to michigan state he's studying jazz no way yeah he's a hell of a drummer Dope. He, yeah so he's he's gonna hopefully make his mark in the music someday but uh you know but being able to uh you know rick nielsen from cheap trick was in my wedding one of my idols and so rick i've known and robin zander was my neighbor in florida for 15 years when oh, i lived there man so I, i'm really tight with cheap trick these are my buddies and friends and chili peppers too right chili peppers chad smith and i are pretty tight and so it's like over the years you get to meet these guys yeah. and and so that's how this relationship came and we want to be them. They want to be us. Of course, man. So, They're on the road in those freaking buses going yeah. city to city watching your games oh, or yeah. listening to you on the radio. Oh, yeah. So it's like, you know, with me coming, I just went and saw the Moody Blue, or, uh, uh, Blue Oyster Cult. How is that? Saquon. And Saquon, I don't know if you've ever been there. I haven't. Their venue, it is off the chart. Really? It, it, was, it was such a great venue. And front row seats of Blue Oyster Cult, I got out. Got to meet him afterwards. Dope. Got a guitar, guitar, two guitars signed, one for me and then one for my foundation when I have my charity event, the Perfect 33 Foundation. Um, so I, I collect guitars for my auctions. Tell me about the foundation here. Um, I started it about about four years ago. Okay. You know, it's tough getting a 501c3. Yes, it is. But I did, and I was at uh, Miles, Miles Dowdy from Slightly Stupid. Sure. I was at his house, and he's friends with a lot of you know, military guys, team guys. And so I met a team guy there one night and he was in town getting, looking at a doctor. I'm like, what about the VA? And he goes, are you kidding me? The VA ain't going to do crap for us. Here, have some opiates and take care of your problem. And so I just talked to him through the night and it just, it, it really, it really sunk in and it, and it disturbed me from that conversation the next day. So I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try to make a difference for our, for our team guys, for our military. And so I started my 501c3, called the Perfect 33 Foundation. Awesome. And so I raise money for, I do my charity events, um, you know, and just any way I can. I just wrote a check for $100,000 to, to uh, Mindset, but it's, they got a couple different names. Dr. Kevin Murphy, he's a doctor at Rady's Children, but he has a facility up in Forest Ranch, and it's for traumatic brain injury. So we're trying to get these guys, yeah. you know, back into society and be better husbands, fathers, um, get them jobs. You know, these guys are struggling, but Hell they're, yeah, they're too proud to say that they don't need help, but they do need help. And so 
I, w- I took it upon myself to to donate and give back to our military, and it's been it's been successful. And and let me tell you, this stuff works for them for PTSD. Right. PTSD. For PTSD it's, Don't it's, get me started on it's that. Been, it's been tremendous with some of these guys on some chess runs, some guys that are retired. They're like, they're on opiates, and they're like, now they're not on opiates because they're doing our product. It's just, it's a win-win situation. So, you know, with me advocating through my foundation, to, to help our military, you know, like I, I told them in an interview with KUSI, I said, listen, as long as I'm vertical, I'm going to try to do whatever I can do to help our military guys. They need the help. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, so that's how that all started. So, you know, I'm active in a lot of things. You are, bud. And, well, I'm not, I don't like to, you know, go up and, and solicit people and, and stuff like that. But you know what? If you get the right people, they understand your, your, your goals and your drive you're going to get a following and I've got a pretty good following right now on that. And, you know, I appreciate everybody, the time that they help with us and, you know, the donations because it's going for a good spot. Zero. My, my staff takes zero. 100% goes Dang, man. to, to these military guys. So, which is great. And the name of the organization is obviously based on your perfect game. Perfect 33. Yeah. Okay. We got, got our logos. We got everything. So it's great. And I got to ask, this is my last question. I promise we'll let you go. What is the story with that game and the hangover thing? Cause anytime I bring you up to just friends, like, Hey, I'm going to have David <laughs> Wells on the next podcast. <laughs> it's the only thing they friggin' bring up. <laughs> and it's like, dude, the guys are two times world series. It's, the whole thing. And it's always the hangover bit. I wish I had a great, great but it, it is a great story because i my my dad i had visitation of my oldest son brandon and so my dad brought him to new york and so we went to dinner um a block up i lived on the upper east side and it was literally right next door to dorian's where i hung out and uh so we went there for dinner pasta i always ate pasta the night before i pitch sure but i was going to saturday night live that night so I said, Dad, I'll, I'm going to take Brand. I'll be home about 1.30 in the morning. I had a day game the next day, and I hated I, – I didn't sleep, you know, night before anyway, so right. I, I was probably going to be up. As long as I get six, five, six hours, I'm good to go. So went to the SNL, and then Marcy Klein, who hired the talent and all that, Lauren Michaels, right-hand woman. Right. So she's like, hey, you going to the after party? I said, no, I got a pitch tomorrow. She goes, you know, Dennis Rodman had his best game ever after going to SNL party. (laughs) I said, congratulations to him, but I'm not Dennis Rodman. She's like, so she called me a pussy. Yeah, she did. I'm like, Marge, you fucking kid me right now. You're just, you're just, you don't care about my game and my team. You're a Yankee fan. You want it? Her dad's Calvin Klein. So, right. But, uh, but so she started egging me on. So I told her, you know, I kiss my ass. I'll go have a drink. So I went, to the after party, had a drink. So Jimmy Fallon, Seth Myers, I think it was Fred Armisen, yeah. Will Forte, all the boys there at the cast. And before you know it, it's 5.30 in the morning. We were shit-faced. Damn! <laughs> and I'm like, I got to go. I got to go. I get home like 5.30, 5.45 in the morning, and I just did a facial right <laughs> on my bed. And like two hours later, my son wakes me up. He's like, Dad, I'm hungry. I'm like, hey, Grandpa, I need another hour. I was I was blowing Come 5.0 on. probably by still. <laughs> so oh I made breakfast. God. I got them in a cab because he had to fly him back to Florida. And then I went across the street, got a Starbucks, a big one, and just sucked it down. Got to the, And I stunk. I smelled like alcohol. Of course. So I got to the park, and I stayed away from everybody. <laughs> went in the massage room, got my legs worked on, and 
but I was just like every five minutes I'm in the commode, just you know, all that alcohol is just of course, you know, gives you, gives you the runs. And so every time I drank water, I was I must have drank three gallons of water, you know, and, and coffee and all that stuff. And it was just like, and then my my bullpen was so bad so bad i was just like i threw two balls out of the stadium that day no and my pitching coach Mel stottemar is going you're doing good boomer i said i said shut up i said don't patronize me you see how bad this bullpen is going i said i'm done i'm done let's go i'm good so i walked in and i'm walking down the dugout and joe always asked him how'd he throw it and joe's like he's like joe's like mel he goes he did good boss <laughs> Turn around, I said, don't pay. And, I, and I'm like, hurt my own cause. I'm like, right. I'm like, I go, you know damn well it was sucked out there. And I'm like, what are you doing, you dummy? Just shut up and go pitch. And then that shit happened. That shit. Then, then that, that, that happened, and it was just like, wow. You know, who would have thunk that I did that? But I got locked in, first pitch, locked in, perfect Boom. game. And then, shit, we were out the night again. That, <laughs> that, that night, we are out partying again. To be Until three in the morning, because we had to do a, a Celebrate, charity. Celebrate, yeah. So we had to do a charity golf event the next day. So we went to Dorian's. We went down to the meatpacking district. We were all over New York City that night. Damn, Until dude. my next start. So it was Magical great. time, oh, right? It was, it was awesome. I love seeing so, you smile like that. It was great. It was a thing of beauty. I appreciate your time, man, so much. Yes, Seriously, sir. it's been a pleasure. Yeah, anytime. There you have it. David Wells, thank you so much for joining us here on uh, Canturi and You. Putting a lot out there. We're, you know, There are a lot of your peers, needless to say, as you learn from listening to that. A lot of David Wells' peers who are still not willing and comfortable going out on the subject of CBDs and a lot of the stuff that we talked about. So very bold of you, Mr. Wells, and you're welcome on the show, obviously, anytime. And be sure to check out everything he has going on from uh, his coaching endeavors at Point Loma, go Point Loma, to his organization, to uh, his CBD products that he has going on with his buddy Steve there, CBD-centric. So thank you again to David Wells for coming on the show and to everybody for checking us out. If you're a first-timer, please subscribe, hang with us here. Otherwise, uh, for the returning, returning folks, I appreciate you and love you so much. Special shout-out to our patrons if you're on patreon.com forward slash you and you're a monthly subscriber and you're giving money to what we're doing here wow i I talk about being humbled thank you uh to dave to butch to uh jeff to jennifer i don't know who i'm leaving out but i'm sure i'm leaving you out and i'm sorry to mike mike's another name uh to mariposa ice cream who are kind enough to give a hefty amount every month via patreon Holy cow, do we appreciate and love you, Mariposa Ice Cream. Best homemade ice cream on the planet here in San Diego with locations in Oceanside, Temecula, and my backyard in Normal Heights, Adams Avenue. They're open Thursday through Sunday or Wednesday through Sunday. Cruise on in, ask for Anna or Tim, and uh, they have the best peanut butter and jelly ice cream. Oh, my God. Oh. And R.I.P. Dick, the original owner and the man behind Mariposa. Until next time, be well. And thank you to Jake Nager and the moment of truth for the music. You're a legend. And I love you. <laughs>